All right. Well, good evening. How's everybody doing this evening? All right. Good. All right. I'll ask it again because last time we needed a couple times, right? How are we doing tonight? All right. Yeah. So we say to the kids in Sunday school, you know, scream. You can do that. You know, you're, get your blood going. Get your blood going. Uh, and we'll need it, right? Because I know we're in Jeremiah still. This is, uh, as we went through last week, it's a, this is some heavy, uh, heavy scripture, but there's really key important messages uh, in here for us, and that's the Word of God, um, and it, it, it speaks to us. Uh, so first off, does anyone need a Bible? Everyone have a Bible? If anyone needs a Bible, I think there's some on the back table. And, uh, and I guess before I start, you know, one thing I, I always, uh, you know, think about visually when I'm up here is um, I picture a mirror being in the front row. <laughs> Uh, because when I'm speaking, you know, I don't want you to think like, gee, I'm speaking to you. I'm really speaking to me because <laughs> a lot of the things I'm saying, you know, are for me that I need to hear. Um, so if there's anything heavy or preachy, uh, I'm speaking to myself because I need it. <laughs> so I always think that, that I'm uh, saying that up here as, as I know I'm not alone. We all need to hear, hear these truths and these words. Um, so with this, I'll, I'll, do a, I'll do a quick recap. All right. I know uh, last time was, was some heavy lifting, and uh, so I'll, I'll allow a little more uh, Al's Cone Zone time after, after tonight than, than last week. So, uh, but a quick recap, uh, we're in Jeremiah, we're going to cover 5 and 6, chapters 5 and 6 tonight, uh, but a quick recap of the first four chapters. Um, you know, we learned that Jeremiah was called into his ministry by, by God himself. He was a priest from Anathoth, which is in Benjamin, actually, and so that's going to come into play later on as we're, we're going through five and six. Um, he was young. He didn't feel equipped. <laughs> it's not familiar. Sometimes we feel that way. Uh, God, God assured him, and God said, do not be afraid of their faces is one of the things that he told him, and that's going to come into play here tonight as well as we go through the, the verses. And God states his case against Israel. Uh, through Jeremiah. So he used Jeremiah to deliver this message to the people of, of Benjamin and Judah in, in these chapters. Uh, it was a very vivid picture as we went through of how Judah and Jerusalem was forsaking God, right? They played the harlot again and again. Um, it was easier to see where they hadn't lain with men, it said, than, they, than where they, you know, had. You know, it was uh, it, it just... They polluted the land. It was very uh, corrupted. It was a complete abomination to the Lord. Uh, we remember that the northern kingdom was already gone at this point in time. They had forsook God already. Um, and God was speaking to his bride, which was really Judah in Jerusalem at this point in time. And, uh, you know, and again, vivid pictures of the marriage, uh, but even called out that, hey, they got to see Israel taken away. They should have learned, right? And, and they didn't. We learned that. We walked through that. Uh, but we learned that even amidst this divided, idolatrous, sinful nation, that God says, but I'm still married to you, right? I, return to me, return to me, return to me, we kept hearing again and again. And he said, I, so basically saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think we even sang it in the songs here just tonight. It was saying the same thing. You know, there's nothing you can do to outshame, you know, God's love for you. We recalled that the punishment for adultery in Mosaic law was stoning and death. And uh, it's the same God of the Old Testament as the new. 
a merciful God, right? And so Jesus uh, did not condemn the woman that was caught in adultery that was brought to him, <laughs> saved her life, right? And she, she should have been put to death, and he saved her life. And it's the same God here in the Old Testament, right? It's, Israel should have been, or Judah should have been, you know, put, put to death completely and was not, was saved, right? So it's a, God is a God of mercy, uh, right? And so uh, why? Why did we go through all of these things and all of these stories? Well, to learn that God keeps his promises that the Messiah is going to come through Judah, right? He had to save uh, this, this remnant uh, because the Messiah was going to come through Judah, through the line of David, through the tribe of Judah, and we know the Messiah is Jesus Christ. But we also know that it's not just God is a God of mercy, God is a perfect judge. We, we talk through that, right? So even though there's mercy being displayed, there's perfect justice that has to be uh, doled out as well. And sin and unrepentant hearts um, are going to face consequences that we'll, we'll walk through tonight. And God said time and time again, return to me, <laughs> return to me, O backsliding Israel, O backsliding Judah. Um, and he said to the woman, rise and sin no more. Return to me. It's the same God. It's the same message for us. <laughs> return to me no matter what you did, right? Just return to me. And so God even desired for Israel, just, man, just cry out to me, will you? He was, he was yearning for them to just cry out and, and uh, cry out to me and just say to me, will you be angry forever? And, and he, you know, they wouldn't, you know, and he was even answering the questions for them we went through. And... Uh, and so they heard the, the you know, they, they just returned some lip service to God. So they were basically saying things with their mouths, but it wasn't from the heart, right? They didn't have truly, truly repentant hearts. And so uh, they ignored, you know, they didn't listen to God. They didn't return to God. Uh, they didn't really adhere to the trumpets, the battle cries, you know, that was all coming. The Babylonians are coming. We learned from Dan to Ephraim. They were getting closer uh, to, to Jerusalem, which we'll get into and pick up here shortly. Um, they were shown that they had no one to blame but themselves, and it really all comes down to a matter of the heart, right? It's always a matter of the heart. But Jeremiah gives glimmers of hope, right? They look to a future Israel and Judah not being apart, being together, right, into a new covenant, right, the covenant of Jesus' blood that was looking forward. They wouldn't need the ark, and they wouldn't need the temple anymore, and because they would have Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so these are key messages for us today, as relevant uh, as then as it is now. Salvation is in God. It's in Christ. Same God, then and now. No one is ever too far gone for God to say, return to me. <laughs> I am married uh, to you. So once you surrender your heart to God, to Jesus Christ, you're his, right? And there's many chances uh, to come back to him. He pursues the least, the last, and the lost. God's will that none should perish, and he just demonstrated that again and again. You matter, we matter, I matter infinitely to God. That's why he sent his son, which required that he save a remnant that, he, that deserved to be stoned for their idolatrous behavior, but he saved the remnant because he needed to save us. So we must look in the mirror individually and as a nation today as, as the calls are the same, right? Return to me. I'm still married to you. I'm your loving husband, says the Lord. I love you, but stop doing what you're doing. And, you know, and just come back, right? Rise and sin no more is what we learned that God was, was telling us. So before we get into Jeremiah 5, let's just, uh, if you could bow your heads and, and pray. Lord, uh, 
uh, such teachings for us, so relevant today as they were in Jeremiah's time, uh, Lord. And we thank you for these teachings and for this word, Lord. We ask you to, you know, uh, just circumcise our ears, open our ears, clean out our ears, uh, you know, wash the, the muck out of our eyes. Uh, Lord, whatever it is that's an obstacle uh, to us right now, Lord, would you just remove it, remove it from our very being, Lord, so that we can just see and hear you, Lord, saying, return to me, come to me. Lord, help us to respond, help us to just be true to you from the depths of our hearts, Lord. Uh, let us not give lip service, Lord, or just be superficial with you, Lord, and uh, go deep with you. And Lord, just all for your glory, just uh, change our hearts, Lord, change our minds, and Lord, just keep us uh, close to you in your loving arms. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So Jeremiah chapter 5, the justice of God's judgment. So it says, run, verse 1, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know, and seek in her open places. If you can find a man, if there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. So if you recall, Genesis 18 um, had a story about this very similarly when Ab Abraham intercedes for Sodom. So Abraham was saying the same thing, Lord, if I can find 50 people, would you spare it? 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, he went down the list, right? And God said, okay, I, you, know, you find me some, I'll, I'll spare it. And so here we are, if there's anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, right, I'll pardon her. So we're, we're in a very uh, similar state, right? So it, um, it's the same God as, of Abraham as it is here in Jeremiah, he's merciful, but just looking for the remnant but it's very hard to find here um, so if you recall last week again we had already said it here you know, it was just easier to see where they you know hadn't polluted than where they had it was just it was so polluted um, you know it was just an abomination and so now they're struggling to find even just one one righteous so verse 2 says though they say as the Lord lives surely they swear falsely and so this is basically just saying they're giving them lip service. And so it's not in their hearts, it's vain words. Uh, Chuck Smith uh, compared this to today's, praise the Lord, brother. You know, you just say it out and it's real easy to say and roll off your tongue, but maybe you don't even mean it. You just say it and you're used to saying it. And uh, it's just something to, to say and the words might not have, have a meaning. And I'll only do this a couple times tonight, but if you could... I'm going to go to two different places um, in, in the beginning of this teaching, and then we'll be okay after that. But if you can turn to Titus 1, um, verses 10 to 16, and I want to read, read this here. So Titus 1, verses 10 to 16. So it says, verse 10, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. So I put perfect justice there, right? Who subvert whole households, or I put nations in parentheses, teaching things they ought, to, they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain, 
Verse 12, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. So that's going to come into play later on as well. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Verse 16, they profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. So 650 years ago, or 650 years after Jeremiah, when they're writing Titus, there are liars in the church that need to be dealt with, and 2,621 years later, uh, we're in the same boat, right? We, um, we've not really advanced um, in this way. God's still looking for the righteous to lead His church. But there is none righteous, not in Jeremiah's time, but we know there's none righteous, only one, Jesus Christ, and we can only be righteous in Christ. Apart from the Lord, we perish. So these people are perishing um, and this is written so that we take heed <laughs> and we don't follow the same pattern, right? It's there to help us to avoid it. So uh, verse 3, so the next section, verses 3 through 12, is really Jeremiah responding to this. And so verse 3 says, O Lord, uh, I'm sorry, back into Jeremiah now. O Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? So he's watching, perfect justice, perfect truth. You have stricken them, but... They have not grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. We heard last week about stiff-necked people in Deuteronomy. You know, this is the same here, right? They've refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. So I said before about how Jeremiah was encouraged to, right, right? Don't, don't fear their faces, right? You know, and it's because their faces were going to be harder than rock. It's a, quite a picture. It's we say hard-headed, I guess they were hard-faced. You know, it's even worse. So they refused to return, so they're willfully disobedient. You know, and this causes me to pause as a parent, <laughs> and all of our parents can relate to what a tough job being a parent uh, is, right? And we get, we, it's easy to get caught up in all of our kids and what they're doing wrong, making bad decisions, uh, maybe even to willful disobedience, but then my mind shifts to, man, how was I? as a child with, with my parents, and what was I doing? And then I shift to how I am today with my Heavenly Father, right? Am I complaining about the correction? Am I refusing to return? Um, you know, so let us all take stock in those areas of our spiritual walk right now uh, that needs to be dealt with, because take heed lest we, lest we fall. Verse 4, Therefore I said, Surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they do not know the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. In verse 5, I will go to the great men and speak to them, for they have known the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. So he's speaking to going to great men, to the leaders, for surely they're going to know the judgment of God. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Micah 3.1 says this, And I said, Hear now, O heads of Jacob, again, leaders, and you rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? And right, so they should know justice. They're the leaders. They should understand it. 
and so leadership. It's so, it's so needed today, and, uh, and it's so, uh, so lacking in many ways, right? We need healthy spiritual leadership in our churches to influence the nation, uh, and we're backwards. We're letting the nation influence us, and as a nation, we lack godly leaders. You know, an ungodly nation is made up of ungodly states, ungodly counties, ungodly cities, ungodly towns, ungodly houses. So it's up to us. <laughs> Each one of us have a house, right? So let us be the godly person there. Lord, help us to do that. You know, be with us to do that. Verse 5 continues, But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. So in this sense, being yoked, they're talking about the animals being yoked together. And, you know, they're leading, right? So they're going to break free. So if an animal breaks free out of a yoke, a horse or whatever it is, cattle, whatever's pulling, something bad's going to happen to that animal, right? And so as leaders, the analogy is leaders being yoked with God were leaving God, or they were leaving God because they left God. And so um, this is the fate that they're going to see. It's going to be very similar to this animal. It says, therefore... A lion from the forest shall slay them, verse 6. A wolf of the desert shall destroy them. A leopard will watch over their cities. So there's sure fate. Uh, They're breaking away from God, and it's going to be bad. Everyone who goes out from uh, from there shall be torn in pieces. Because their transgressions are many, their their backslidings have increased. So I underlined are many. And I underlined have increased here. These words are important. It's an important distinction. It's some qualifying or quantifying statements. Uh, It's very descriptive of their behavior. And so there's a pattern. There's repetition. There's volume. uh, There's volume. There's many. There's many transgressions. It's a way of life. This just isn't a, hey, they screwed up once. This is a way of life. Their backslidings increased. They were on the increase. This condition is worsening, with, even with the chastening of the Lord's own hand. It's actually getting worse. Um, so I will this, I'll ask you to turn one more time to another passage here. This is Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21. So Brother Gary had shared this verse a couple, couple weeks ago, and uh, and when I was reading it here again, it just it really fit right into this. It was um, you know, amazing how the Lord works. So Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, and so I underline this part, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice, circle that, practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so here we have it, just as I also told you in times past, this is one of those times past. And it's that those who practice such things. And so sometimes we can feel like we screw up once and man, that's it. I'm done. Like God's not going to want me. He's not going to have any use for me. I'm just writing it off. And God is not like that. He's the opposite of that. 
But practicing such things and being, you know, because when you want to be good at something, you practice it, right? So these are different kind of descriptions. So in verse 6 in Jeremiah, it says, because their transgressions are many, their backslidings have increased. It's really describing how these people are. In Galatians, it's people who practice such things are not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven, right? So we don't want to be people practicing these things, but also if you mess up once and you return, because God's going to say, return to me, and you return, right, you're made whole, right? It's, it's, it's being very particular about this. So the Bible's consistency in its message, you know, 650 years earlier, this, the same thing here it is in Galatians. Um, you know, we're not in a one-and-done relationship. He's so long-suffering with us, as we said before, and he shows it again, right? And, uh, and the prince of this world is doing everything to convince us otherwise. He's really trying to show us um, you're not good, right? Uh, you're not worthy. Social media can be a good thing, but boy, it can really tear you down in two seconds that way. And just because we sin once, we're not out, right? But when a pattern of sin exists where sins are many and are increasing, right, it must be dealt with. We've got to return to him, says the Lord. Rise and sin no more, says Jesus. We say, stop it, knock it off, you dummy. You know, what are you doing? You know, or perhaps we should say that, right, of course, always in love. Verse 7 says, how shall I pardon you for this? So again, if God's the perfect judge, you know, like how am I going to pardon you for this? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by these that are not gods. When I had fed them to the full, then they had committed adultery. So man, took such good care of you and you committed adultery. And assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's houses. Verse 8, they were like well-fed, lusty stallions. Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. 9, shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Boy, just stop there on that one, right? Again, as a parent, I just hear these words. You know, what am I, you know, and your kids sometimes, you're like, well, you tell me, what am I supposed to do with this? You're like, you tell me what punishment you should have. Like, I got to do something for it, right? I mean, this is terrible. And so he's like saying that to them, right? What do you think I should do? I got to do something about it. And for our country, boy, you know, this really hangs over our head. Uh, Warren Wearsby uh, quotes Thomas Jefferson here, um, w- which just was really, wow, you know, <laughs> so prophetic. Um, it says, Josiah had gotten rid of the, uh, the temple prostitutes, but these prostitutes found other ways to carry on her, their trade and satisfy the desires that had inflamed in the men uh, of Judah. Not unlike society today, the people worshipped sex and saw nothing wrong with what they were doing, right? God was so generous to them, and they were so ungrateful. Sound familiar? <laughs> I know we keep saying that, and I guess we have to stop it from sounding familiar, and that's on us, right? So, Lord, help us again. Inspire us, shake us up, grab us by the shoulders, and scream, wake up, <laughs> so we can hear, uh, unlike the Israelites. Um, so, verse 10, go up on her walls and destroy but here we go, mercy. But do not make a complete end. And so thank you, Lord, for your perfect mercy <laughs> to keep the promise to save this remnant. But man, take away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me, says the Lord. Verse 12, they have lied about the Lord and said, it's not he, neither will evil come upon us. 
nor shall we see sword or famine, and the prophets become wind, for the word is not in them, thus shall it be done to them. And so, you know, Moses, if you remember, Moses didn't get to enter the promised land. <laughs> and, you know, it seems very like a slight thing. You know, he was the first time he, he took the staff and he said, God said, take the staff, hit the rock and water will come out. Second time he said, take your staff and speak to the rock. And he was mad at the people and he was angry. And he said, ah, and he, he hit it not just once, but twice. Water still came out of the rock. But basically what he did is he misrepresented the Lord to the people, you know. And, uh, and it seems like, wow, that's really a, a tough thing to not enter the promised land. But these people were outright lying about it. So God's putting the word in this prophet Jeremiah, and his prophet Jeremiah is saying, return to the Lord. Stop what you're doing. Can't you see it? And the other prophets are just going, oh, you know, hey, it's fine. There's smoke signals going up, there's trumpets blaring, and it's like, hey, you know, everything's okay, right? And so they were overtly lying to the people, so way worse than what Moses was doing. So how could they stay in the land? Verse 14, therefore, thus says the Lord, God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. Behold, I will bring a nation against you from afar. It's going to be the Babylonians. O house of Israel, says the Lord, it's a mighty nation. It's an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Verse 16, their quiver is like an open tomb. They are all mighty men. This is going to be tough. Verse 17, and they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and your daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities in which you trust with the sword. So very vivid judgment and consequences. And really all of it could be avoided if they would have just had a truly repentant heart. Why, as we said last week, is the best choice so hard to make? Why is the flesh so appealing, the narrow road? Verse 18, nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a complete end of you. I always say, thank you, Jesus, every time I get to that point, right? Even though this is rough, I'm not going to make a complete end. I'm just going to stop shy. Verse 19, and it will be when you say, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer him, just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve aliens in a land that's not yours. Yeah, it seems fair. Justice. Perfect justice. Again, God keeps his promises, and yet is a perfect judge. He's doling out uh, the, the consequences of sin, but yet still saving a remnant because that Messiah must come. They're going to suffer for a while, but they're going to come back. That remnant's going to come back. So it's a word picture of giving someone the boot, right? You, you, t you bring them in, you take care of them, you feed them, and they're just, wow, they're just totally rebellious and, and ungrateful, right? And you say, all right, well, if that's the way you want it, go out, see how you like it in the real world. And that's basically what's being done. It's a spiritual version of this. Verse 20, declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, <clears throat> and so God tells Jeremiah to speak boldly, boldly to the house of Jacob, you know, what the people were like. 
So this is not going to fall kindly on their ears, right? This is tough stuff. He's saying, you're going to go tell these people this. But he was trying to snap them out of it. He was really trying to, to get them to, to come back. Verse 21, hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? Who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by a per- perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it? And though it, as its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. Verse 23, But this people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. So while the oceans obey God and stay within their boundaries, you know, my own people won't listen. They don't stay within their boundaries, right? They refuse to do it. They're foolish, deaf, blind, but they're not fearful. They have no fear. Verse 24, they do not say in their heart, again, it's always a matter of the heart, let us now fear the Lord our God who gives rain both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Like this would be right thinking, right? This is the right thinking stuff. They're not doing this. Verse 25, your iniquities have turned these things away and your sins have withheld good from you. Chuck Smith says, uh, says it well. It says, God wants to do mighty things for us, but it's hindered because of our sin. You know, it's so true, right? He desires to give, to give us so much. Uh, we get it in the way. Verse 26, For among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and grown rich. So instead of loving one another, encouraging one another, like iron sharpens iron, iron with scriptures that they know, right? They exploited one another, (laughs) and they were hunting each other like snaring birds. Verse 28, they have grown fat. They are sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. I don't know what that is. What's worse than wicked? But that's what they are. They surpass the deeds of the wicked. They're that far gone. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper in the right of the needy they do not defend so they're just out for pure selfish gain and everyone else even the helpless are not they're not going to pay attention to so corruption abound misusing the mercies of god and abusing the blessings of god verse 29 shall i not punish them for these things says the lord again perfect justice shall i not avenge myself on such a nation as this again i always have to stop and think of our nation when when i read that Verse 30, an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. 31, the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. Oh, man, I just put disgustingly corrupt, and while the stench of their own misdeeds should have been putrid, they loved it. You know, they couldn't get enough of it. But what will you do in the end? So the sinners thought that no one was watching or cared, right? But in the end, pride falls before the man. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but but its end is the way of death. And these folks were surely, surely living it.
Chapter 6, Jeremiah 6. Impending destruction from the north. So because they forsook God, they turned to the pagan gods of, of the land. This is a continuation of the message that started back in chapter 3, verse 6. This one warning, um, uh, this one warning children to get out of Jerusalem. So as you recall, last week they were at Dan, <laughs> they were at Ephraim, which is kind of not too far from, from Jerusalem. And now they said that go to Jerusalem. Now they're saying, you're going to see, get out of Jerusalem, you know, because this is where the enemy is coming uh, quickly. So verse 1, Oh, you children of Benjamin, so they're talking to Jerusalem and Benjamin, gather yourselves uh, to flee from the midst of Jerusalem. So now get out. And if you remember, Jeremiah is from Anathoth, which is in Benjamin, and this is his people, right? So he's telling his people, man, you got to get out. This is going to be ugly. So he's telling his townsmen, you know, run, get out of here. Blow the trumpet in Tekoya. And so that's, Tekoya is sort of a, a rugged outpost, kind of to the, I guess it would be the east of, of Jerusalem. And uh, set up a signal fire in Beth Hakarim, same way. So you have Dan, <laughs> Ephraim. <laughs> You have like Tekoya and Beth Hecarim is here, and then Jerusalem's here. So they're setting up signals here. It's the enemy's upon them, right? They're at, they're at Jerusalem. For disaster appears out of the north and great destruction. So there's three main ways for the Jews to get military intelligence. It was watchmen on the walls, which we'll see in verse 17. It was blowing trumpets, which we're just seeing here, and it was signal fires. So these are the things they did when they were in battle mode, right? And this is what's going on. They're in full battle mode. Verse 2, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come to her. They shall pitch their tents against her all around. Each one shall pasture in his own place. So essentially, foreign shepherds are going to come into the land and they're going to take all the pastures of the land and they're going to inhabit them. Verse 4, prepare war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. Woe to us, for the day goes away, for the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Arise, let us then go by night and let us destroy her palaces. So this is God's judgment in full action. It's God is actually leading the Babylonian army here and attacking this delicate woman, and it's day and night. He's instructing the Babylonians uh, in this manner. For thus says the Lord, or for thus has the Lord of hosts said, cut down trees, verse 6, and build a mound against Jerusalem. So he's telling them what to do. Take the trees down, build the ramps onto the walls, and you're going into the city, right? And so uh, this is the city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst. So all I could liken it to is kind of like a wicked, <laughs> pus-filled boil. You know, it's just, you know, as the fountain, verse 7, wells up with water, right? So, the wells, so she wells up with her wickedness. So it's just ready to explode. Violence and plundering are heard in her. Before me continually are grief and wounds. So this is a very violent uh, battle. It's a brutal assault of the invading Babylonians. Um, and it, you know, sound familiar, right? This is, we turn our backs on God and lawlessness is increasing. And we see that today, uh, you know, right? And this all could have been avoidable if we just had a, 
repentant heart, right? Simple. Verse 8, be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. Verse 9, thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall thoroughly glean as a vine the remnant of Israel, as a grape gatherer, put your hand back into the branches. So, I mean, he's going to pluck Judah and Jerusalem clean, right? Take all the fruit off the branches. Verse 10, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised. So they turned a deaf ear to the Lord, right? They forgot the shepherd's voice. And they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Oh, man, that's tough. And you can understand Jeremiah being a weeping prophet here at this point. It's a tough job. He's, he's warning and watching, but man, no one's heeding God's word through him. You know, hearts and mind and ears, they're all closed off to the Lord. Verse 11, therefore, I am full of fury of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside, on the assembly of the young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife, the aged with him who is full of days. So no one's going to be spared, right? It's, they're all going to be destroyed that don't flee. And their houses shall be turned over to others, verse 12, fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. Verse 13, because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. It's not a great theological term, but I just put yikes. You know, I mean, this is, uh, wow. Even the corruption was corrupted. It was so bad, right? It was just so vile, so evil, priests and prophets alike. And it really explains kind of why no one listened to Jeremiah, (laughs) I mean, they were, you know, Jeremiah's there telling them the hard truth, right, man? Repent, turn, turn to him, stop doing what you're doing, get rid of your gods. And they're like, uh, yeah, I, that kind of, I don't like that. I'm going to go to the next prophet, the next priest, and they're going to tell me what I want to hear. And that's what happened. They, they said, yeah, man, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, peace is here, right? It's no, no problem. They, they were lying. They, they uh, were able to justify their ways with these prophets and priests while Jeremiah was representing God to them. And maybe we can be like that too, right? Someone gives us a tough word. Uh, we have a choice, right? We either accept it and say, yeah, you know what? That's right, and that's, that's from God. Or I just look for the next person to tell me that what I'm doing is fine and it's okay, right? So we have to really look for someone to tell me, right, the truth and then adhere to it. Verse 14, they have also healed the, they have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, peace peace when there is no peace right like we said man there's smoke going up there's trumpets blare and there's all and they're going oh it's fine you know it's don't don't worry oh they're not going to come here you know they were just they were lied they were lying to them and it um really an impending doom was all around you know a boss of mine said this in a different context but we were talking about someone who seemed to be out of touch with what was going on in the company and he goes oh yeah it's like the house is on fire and she's cooking dinner in the kitchen and that's what's like going on here, right? There's, it's pending doom all around, and they're saying it's going to be fine. They were just in denial. Verse 15, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Man, really descriptive. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time I, at the time I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. 
Verse 16, thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. So Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest, right? So come back to the first love and rest, one true rest, <laughs> commit and recommit lives to God. In God is the only rest. It's the same message for us today as it was back then. Real rest is only in Christ. And why wouldn't we? We're all so tired. Don't we need to rest? But, they said, we will not walk in it. So sad. Mm, We're so complacent sometimes, uh, given the lip service, no movement of hearts. It's the same question as last week. Man, why is it so hard uh, to make the best choice? Verse 17, also, I set watchmen over you, saying, so this is the third type of military uh, formation here. I'll set watchmen over you, saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. (laughs) But they said, we will not listen. So, man, he gave them time and time and chance and chance and signal and signal. And really, they're numb to it all. And I just said, so busy uh, sinning and swimming in filth. that they can't hear the trumpet call or the warning sound. And maybe today's world, it's we're addicted to the continual sensory overload. (laughs) You know, we're electronified. We're just constantly bombarded, and uh, we need more and more, and then all of a sudden we can't hear, return to me, (laughs) come to me. Uh, We can't see it. We can't hear it. Verse 18, therefore hear you nations and know, O congregation, what is among them. 19, hear, O earth. This is funny. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. So now the people are not listening, so he's going to talk to the earth. (laughs) They're not giving an ear, and he's like, all right, earth, you know, uh, listen up. This is what's going to happen. And right in one way, on one level, it seems kind of fitting because they were worshiping the earth. They were taking the trees and the stones it said earlier in, in the first chapters and making idols out of them. And so now he's speaking to, to the same earth saying, look, this is what's going to happen. Um, so verse 20, for what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet to me. In Mark 12 Verse 33, it says this, To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So he wants a loving relationship with you and with me, not empty religious activities. He wants people to be loving on one another, lifting each other up, not tearing each other down, not taking advantage of each other exalting God, encouraging one another, but he doesn't want this, what's going on right now. And this is written to to speak to us now, right? Because what are we doing with each other? How are we acting with each other? And if we as Christians, we've got to be different than the world, this is one sure way we've got to be vastly, vastly different. Verse 21, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people, and the fathers and the sons together shall fall on them. The neighbor and his friend shall perish. So corruption is consuming them all. Verse 22, thus says the Lord, Behold, a people comes from the north country, 
Babylonians again here, and a great nation will be raised from the farthest parts of the earth. They will lay hold on bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea, and they ride on horses. As men of war set in array against you, O daughter of Zion. So, man, brutality is coming. Verse 24, we have heard report of it. Our hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman in labor. Do not go out into the field nor walk by the way because the sword of the enemy, fear, is on every side. So now they're finally starting to fear and anguish. It's starting to set in. Too little, too late, right? Verse 26, O daughter of my people, dress in sackcloth and roll about in ashes. Make mourning as for an only son, most bitter lamentation, for the plunderer will suddenly come upon us. So in other words, get dressed for a funeral. (laughs) It's going to be yours, right? Lay around in ashes, dress in sackcloth, get ready for a funeral as if your only son died. It's a bitter lamentation. So this is very vivid. This is painful. Verse 27, I have set you, he's now talking about Jeremiah here, I have set you as an assayer and a fortress among my people that you may know and test their way. Verse 28, they are, they are all stubborn rebels, walking as slanderers. They are bronze and iron. They are all corruptors. They're, the bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. The smelter refines in vain. For the wicked are not drawn off. People will call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. And you remember in Titus 1, we said there is nothing pure, right? There's nothing pure. We know the refining fire usually is about cooking out our impurities, right? We're put to the test and the test and heated up and boiled and so we can be made pure. Well, this is they did that and there's nothing pure in them. (laughs) There's nothing left, right? There's no pure silver. Um, Wearsby said this about um, what Thomas Jefferson quoted um, over 200 years ago. And it still holds true today or humbles us today. And this is what Thomas Jefferson wrote. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. So, man, such prophetic words uh, for us today. Thomas Jefferson even saw that back then. So to wrap up, uh, God gave Jeremiah a mission a ministry that seems futile in, in some levels, uh, fruitless in some other levels, but God's economy is not ours, and His ways are perfect in, in every way. And so He said to go and tell these people to return to Me. He said, they're not going to listen to you. Their faces are going to be harder than stone, He said. Um, but don't be afraid of it because I'm going to be with you there to deliver you. And so again, why, why go through all of this? so that God would show that he will never leave them nor forsake them. He is in their midst via Jeremiah. It's a strong tower, a spiritual fortress among his people. So God picked Jeremiah to be that. You know, and there's always good around if we just stop and see it, right? It is everywhere if we look. We can't look at Jeremiah and say it's a failing ministry. He's obeying God's call to stand in the balance Uh, for God's people, the people that God loves. God loves his bride, even though she's idolatrous and sinful and playing the harlot 24-7. 
It's like Jeremiah's Israel's conscious, Judah's conscious, and saying, come, return to me, return to me. He's like the, the uh, Emmanuel. He was the ever-present God to these people, even though they were living an idolatrous life. He was God with them, even though they would not admit it. But it's also foreshadowing to the true Emmanuel, uh, Jesus Christ, God with us, right? And so this is a word picture to show, right? But despite Jeremiah being you know, God with us to the Israelites in 600 B.C., they refused to be with God. And we stated at the beginning of last week that they had a choice. The people had a choice, and they blew it, not just once, but dozens and dozens and dozens of time. Their choice was to reject God and love their corrupt systems, love their polluted relationships, love the trees, love the stones, pleasure in their idolatry, and not God. Hmm, sound familiar. We also talked about why. Why is it written? The Old Testament, it's written, it's, this record is here to teach us so that we do not forget um, that we must not reject the one tr- true triune God. This same God that put Jeremiah in the midst of his people put Jesus Christ in the middle of an idolatrous, pagan, mixed-up world. And when Jesus Christ ascended, he sent his Holy Spirit to live and reign in this idolatrous, pagan, mixed-up world. And he put that in us as believers. He loves us that much that he wants our hearts that much. He's calling his bride, return to me. So may God rise us up, a flock of Jeremiah's, standing in the balance for him, being salt and light in this dark land, being purveyors of his loving kindness, instruments of his peace, responding to evil with love, demonstrating his good, even in tough situations, counted all joy, right? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, we know the words, right? Be his fruit for a starving world. Who else will do it? There's no one else to do it. And to steal a scene from the chosen, if not now, when? When are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? So as we close this, this evening, um, if you're here watching on TV and, uh, and uh, want to know the Lord, but you don't know the Lord, or you rejected the Lord before, but realize now, man, I made a mistake, that was wrong, or you've left your first love and want to be re- the returning bride, then please, please come and see us. Come pray with us. Come talk to us, right? Don't be an Israel or a Judah and not listen to God speaking to your heart. If you have something, anything on your mind, um, something not sitting right with you or you need prayer for any reason, just come and talk to us. Or you can fill out a prayer card and you can leave it up here and uh, the prayer team will be praying uh, those uh, for you. And uh, have safe travels. Um, and uh, as, as we drive away from here, right, and uh, let us be that salt and light. Let us be that Jeremiah standing in the, in the gap, standing in the balance, because if not, <laughs> who else is going to do it, right? In Jesus' name and for his glory unto the Father, amen and amen. God bless you guys.